2: This is
3: Asked and Answered questions with Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. I'm not going to lie, Labs. I started to read through the script that you sent me this morning, and I got a little nervous after reading the first part of the first question. I thought the streak was going to end, but fortunately I think we can count this as a quarterback question. It's like a joint coach ye quarterback of little, question. Ye of little faith. I know, I was about to text you and be like, well, what's the deal? I thought we were chasing DiMaggio here, and you decided to wave the white flag, but no, no, no. I was the one that jumped the gun there, <laughs> and I apologize for doubting you.
2: Well, you know, or doubting Steelers Nation, because that's what it really is. <laughs> I only, I can only work with what I get. I mean, I guarantee you, I'm not thinking these up on my own. I mean, I'm not nearly that creative. <laughs>
3: Well, our first question today relating to quarterbacks, of course, comes from Mark Simon in Naples, Florida, and he asks, what makes an NFL coach a great coach? Multiple championship winning coaches include Vince Lombardi with Bart Starr, Don Shula with Bob Greasy, Bill Belichick with Tom Brady, Chuck Knoll with Terry Bradshaw, Bill Walsh with Joe Montana and Steve Young, Jimmy Johnson with Troy Aikman, Tom Coughlin with Eli Manning. What do they all have in common? Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So does the quarterback make the coach, or does the coach make the quarterback?
2: Well, you know, I, I've believed this now for a while, and and I've said it a bunch of times. Um, the NFL is a players' league. College football is the coaches' league, mm. and that's why one of the reasons why I believe that college coaches largely do not have the same success in the once they get to the NFL. That they have in college because they still believe if that's if that's how they were they came up in the the game of football college. They're in total control of everything. Uh, they can control the players, uh, and you know what they call and the schemes that they come up with. Oftentimes, are the difference. In the NFL, it's the players. You got to have the players uh, in order to win championships or even compete with championships and in the NFL uh, it goes a little bit even beyond a coach having a hall of fame quarterback because Shula after winning two with Bob greasy won none with Dan Marino over 17 seasons. Mm -hmm. So there's that too. Um, You know, Jimmy Johnson won national championships at the U and he won with Aikman in Dallas. But then even he couldn't win with Marino in Miami because the other components of the Dolphins roster at the time weren't good enough. Steve Spurrier, we remember him, uh, fun and gun, I think it was called, uh, in, at Florida. Uh, he won in, in at Florida with offensive schemes, um, overmatching college defenses with more receivers than they could cover. Uh, he got to Washington, and you know how that turned out. Hmm. Uh, so... You know, there's an old saying that um, always has been attributed to Bear to, to Bear Bryant. Not that he said it, but people said it about him. And that was, you know, when uh, someone was talking about his abilities as a coach, they said he could take his in and beat urine, and then he can take urine and beat hisn, which means it doesn't matter which team in a particular matchup Bear Bryant was coaching, that team would win the game. But not even the Bear could do that. In the NFL, Um, you win with players in the Sunday league. And I will admit the vast majority of instances, it starts with the quarterback. But that's not the only thing you need to win in the NFL.
3: Now, I know he didn't really have the quarterback, but my favorite case study when examining college coaches versus pro coaches is Nick Saban. Uh, Maybe the greatest college football coach ever and was flushed right out down the toilet when he got to the Dolphins in the NFL.
2: You know what? You know what happened to him his first year? Yeah, His first year, Saban wanted Drew Brees, who was available. That's right. But the Dolphins medical staff vetoed it because they said Drew Brees' shoulder could not pass the physical. Smart so prediction they there. Da- Right. And so <laughs> they ended up with Dante Culpepper. So who knows? If Saban had gotten, you know, <laughs> if it was Alabama— where, where Saban was, and he said he wanted a particular quarterback who <laughs> right. would have gotten that quarterback. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I think Saban even, you know, he knew what he needed. They didn't give it to him, and then, you know, that was the end, Started the end,
3: anyway. Robert Montag from Ashland, Kentucky. During the second half of the Bengals game at Akersher Stadium, the combo of Joe Burrow to T. Higgins torched the Steelers repeatedly. <sighs> It looked like the Steelers' secondary was out of position on most of those plays, often being behind the targeted receiver instead of in front of him or at his side. Do you think that more man coverage rather than zone is the right fix?
2: Um, You know, as I just explained in the previous answer, the NFL is a player's league, okay? And during that game against the Bengals, the Steelers' coverage personnel wasn't as good as the Bengals' pass offense. I mean... At some point, I thought the Steelers had a little bit of success in that game, lining up Minka Fitzpatrick opposite Higgins on line of scrimmage and then having some kind of um, help deep. But, you know, Joe Burrow is really good. He's really good. Um, He's very accurate, and he was seeing things very well in the second half of that game. And, um, you know, Burrow to Higgins – not only worked that week, but then if you go back and look or look up uh, the games that uh, the Bengals played after that, nobody was covering T. Higgins either. So, um, you know, uh, Burrow to Higgins, uh, I think, is is, is a problem uh, for NFL defenses. And I don't think there's any quick or easy fix to that. Um, and again... It's just too bad that Joe Burrow is in the AFC North because the Steelers are going to have to deal with this guy twice a year. And um, if you ask me who um, are the best quarterbacks in the AFC right now, I would say it's Mahomes and Burrow. Mm -hmm. And if you want Mahomes, I wouldn't be all that disappointed to end up with Burrow.
3: Well, the track record so far would say you're going to win. 3-0 and against Mahomes in his young career is Joe Burrow. Cole Schlatter from Bismarck, North Dakota. I have not been to any of the Steelers games in Pittsburgh this year. Have they tried playing Renegade by sticks yet?
2: <laughs> you know, maybe the NFL isn't a player's league after all. Maybe it's a um, rock and roll band. I was going to say washed up, but that would be unkind. Oh, so I yeah, won't. come on. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, the, the, the Steelers at Acrisure at Stadium, uh, Renegade, has been played in the fourth quarter too, I believe, in every game so far. Now, if you get on the Google machine, Cole, and Google sticks and that hit images, when the images come up, I don't think there's anybody there who could line up and cover T. Higgins, <laughs> uh, nor, I looked it up again this morning check the uh, images again there's nobody who could step in the hole and tackle jk dobbins either so um yeah i th- i think that uh that's entertaining for the fans but i really don't think it has an impact
3: you have to admit that it'd be pretty cool to see tommy shaw lead guitarist of sticks try to line up in the a gap and stop jk dobbins
2: yeah i mean i wouldn't, I wouldn't pay money to you know, see that
3: i mean it wouldn't well, go well you know, for and, tommy shaw but still
2: yeah and i, I don't think that you know Tommy Shaw necessarily deserves to have to take on um, what's his name Ricard, that um, <laughs> that gigantic three hundred eighty pound
3: fullback.
2: <laughs> yeah, whatever he is, Patrick Ricard. Yeah, yeah. So no, I don't. I don't dislike Sticks or Tommy Shaw as much to wish that on him.
3: Jim Wolf from Arlington, Tennessee. Did the NFL change the rules around flexing games? Can they now flex Monday night games as well?
2: Uh, Okay, as of this season, uh, the NFL is not going to be flexing any Monday night games. Uh, Next year, that's going to be on the menu, though. Um, You know, Adam Schefter uh, reported, I don't know, a week or so ago, that um, during weeks 14 to 18 of the 2023 NFL regular season, the league will be able to flex Monday night games. Um, So, you know, it's interesting to me how – You know, the the logistics of that, how that's going to work, because, um, you know, having been part of the Steelers traveling party for three decades, um, you know, these these arrangements are made, you know, hotel reservations and all that stuff are made, you know, not long after the schedule comes out. So, you know, let's just, you know, to use some for instances here, the NFL schedule usually comes out around the middle of May and uh you have a monday night game in week 14 of the 2023 nfo regular season schedule or and now uh or you're a team that has a home game that weekend so your 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 um your hotel arrangements are made either um because if you're on monday night you, you got that settled right and you're on the road or if you're Uh, designated as a home team, you know, you got that arranged and your opponent has the hotel thing uh, arranged in your hometown. Now, you know, they're going to flex these games probably kind of like they do now, which is two, three weeks out until the last weekend of the regular season. Let's just say that, you know, I don't know all of the specific details of how this is going to work, but let's just pretend, as I said, a bunch of for instances. So let's just say, you're uh, scheduled for a Monday night on December fifteenth, and on Thanksgiving they tell you, "Well, no, we're moving you to Sunday." And uh, you know you were scheduled for a Sunday game on December fifteenth, and now we're telling you on Thanksgiving we're moving you to Monday. So you know how's that work? Um, you gotta, you know, it's not unless you want to stay in the same hotel. Uh, that the other the team that had the original Monday night uh, game was going to stay in, um, you know, I don't know what you can do if right. it's a city like, you know, Chicago or Atlanta or Philadelphia or, you know, some of these cities that are that have a lot of conventions and things that go on, and a lot of this hotel space gets snapped up. So, um, but apparently, you know, the league believes that it can make this work, uh, and they're probably going to get involved in some of the logistics to help and uh, but the bottom line is that um, next year weeks 14 15 16 and 17 will be scheduled to flexible uh, will be subject to flexible scheduling uh, week 18 as we know even to this even uh, this year we don't know what day or right. time the Steelers week 18 game is going to be you know against the Browns so You know, it's all about TV. Um, TV pays a lot of bills, and uh, this is going to make TV happy. And uh, if it works, uh, the rights fees go up, and rights fees are split between the players and the owners, and it directly impacts the salary cap. So um, that's it. Done. Done deal. Uh, Sports fans, starting next year, and sports teams, NFL teams, if you play on a Monday night uh, towards the end of a regular season, uh, keep your dancing shoes on because that might change.
0: (laughs) Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun, such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy, Dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
3: DJ, excuse me, DJ Klikamp from Erie, Pennsylvania. Have the Steelers ever had any players who did not play football at the college level? I seem to remember a lineman back in the 1980s who was a wrestler.
2: Okay, uh, DJ, I'm going to limit this to the modern era because I'm sure that you know this once again, this is the Steelers 90th season. So you know in the 40s and 50s, I'm sure there were players who didn't play college football. I mean, and then in the 30s, um, I can't even begin to start to, to figure that out because I mean, you know, there were they they're they were looking for players under every rock they, they could turn over back in those days. And a lot of players that they identified, and try to recruit slash sign. We're not interested because they could make more money, you know, selling um I don't know, soap door to door than you right. could playing in the NFL. So okay. So it's the Super Bowl era, modern era. And I can think of three guys. Defensive end Ray Seals. Um he not only didn't play college football, he never attended college. Seals entered the NFL as a free agent with Tampa Bay in nineteen eighty nine. Um he, had, he was a pretty good defensive lineman, 15 and a half sacks with the Buccaneers. The Steelers signed Ray Seals. He was one of their first unrestricted free agent signings when free agency was instituted back in 1994. Um, 29 games with the Steelers. He had 15 and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, three, three fumble recoveries. Mm. Uh, Ray Seals, who billed himself as big play Ray, great guy, really gregarious, um, good guy. Uh, loved playing, um, you know. Loved everything about it. He was one of Dick LeBeau's favorites because he was a three-four defensive end who could pass rush on his own, uh, without schemes or help or blitzing or any of that stuff. And then you add him to, you know, Kevin Green and Greg Lloyd and you know those that other cast of characters, and right. you know Blitzberg was born. So there was Ray Seals, uh, the guy that DJ that you mentioned, who was the wrestler. That was Carlton Hasselrig. He was a six-time NCAA heavyweight wrestling champion oh. um, while attending uh, the University of Pitt-Johnstown. Now, Pitt-Johnstown, um, satellite campus of the University of Pittsburgh, located in Johnstown, PA, uh, they competed in Division Two. They did not have a football program, but they did have a wrestling program. It was a small one, but they had a wrestling program. And NCAA wrestling rules at the time allowed for the Division II champion uh, in each weight class, the wrestling Division Two champion in each weight class, received an automatic bid into the Division I tournament. Okay? So Hasselrig was so good that every time he won the Division II championship and got in the Division I tournament, he won that too. <laughs> okay? The Steelers picked him in the 12th round of the 1989 NFL draft. Thought he would be a, a nose tackle, you know. Tried him out at nose tackle a little bit, you know. Chuck Noll got you know laid eyes on Hassler f- for a little bit in football equipment. Decided that he'd make a better guard based on his skill set, his wrestling background. Yeah. He knows uh, how to move other guard. guys
3: around, basically.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. And there was a. I'll give you a quick story. There was a the Steelers at the time would uh, prac travel to. Carlisle, Pennsylvania, middle of the state, and have a joint practice, spend a day uh, with the team that uh, the Washington uh, franchise that uh, did at um, Dickinson College there, which is in Carlisle, what the Steelers do at St. Vincent. You know, you go there and you stay. Yeah, right. So Hasselberg's there, and they're having these, you know, one-on-one drills, and, you know, he's getting his butt kicked. I mean, you know, the Redskins were really good. Uh, in the late '80s, and um, you know Hasselrig, he was new at it. And he's trying to play a position that maybe he wasn't best suited for. And they're doing these one-on-one drills, and um, these—red—I uh, almost said the the bad word. Uh, these Washington offensive linemen, you know, were having their way with him, and kind of uh, gloating about it and talking and this and that. And one guy made the mistake. He got in too close. Hasselrig got his hands on him and did one of those hip roll flips and picked that guy (laughs) up, pow, put him on his back, and there was no more messing around with Hasselrig in that practice because that was quick and that was violent. And, I mean, just seeing that live as I was (laughs) standing there, you got the quick impression that's not a guy you want to mess with. Uh, Okay, then the third guy is Preston Pearson. He was a running back for the Steelers from 1970 through 74. The Steelers acquired him in a trade with the Baltimore Colts. The Colts had signed him as an undrafted free agent because instead of playing football during his college career at Illinois, uh, Preston Pearson played Division I basketball. And let me tell you this, um, there was and still is uh, Steelers – basketball team made up of players that travel around and, right. for, and play, you know, call our high school faculty and for charity. <laughs> the Steelers team would show up with Preston Pearson. Oh. Um, there, it, there, nobody was guarding him. I mean, as I said, Illinois is in the big 10, yeah. uh, basketball there. That's a legitimate team program. Um, so yeah. Uh, Tom O'Malley, who was and I think still is the coach slash organizer of the Steelers uh, celebrity basketball team. Um, He was smart enough real quick to see Preston Pearson for about three minutes and say, "Uh, you're starting um, in all of these games.
3: (laughs) Tremaine Perry from New Bern, North Carolina. In a game I was watching a few weeks ago, one team's offense was facing a third and two. The offense was flagged for a penalty on the third down play, which the defense declined, working off the assumption the offense would punt. After the defense declined the penalty, if the offense had stayed on the field to go for it on fourth down, could the defense then reverse its decision?
2: No. Um, The only thing that could happen is, I will tell you this, that okay, let's pretend that um, on the third and two it was a a pass play uh, down the field on the sideline and it's ruled incomplete, okay, Um, and there's there's a penalty. Right. Now, if the defense, a penalty on the offense, if the defense declines the penalty and then the coach of the offense challenges the play and the play is overturned, on replay and the offense is in fact, given the completion and the first down, then the defense will be given the opportunity to reassess whether it wants the penalty again, based on the actual outcome of the play, not the outcome that they thought it was at the time that they declined the penalty. So this kind of, um, you know, going back in time, getting in the way back machine, as you say, only. Happens if there is a replay challenge involved in this, then you can change your mind if you
3: want to. Yeah, this isn't really golf. We don't do mulligans in football. Uh, just hasn't ever flied. Uh, Eric Schobel from Pompton Plains, New Jersey, has our last question of the day, and he asks: Will the twenty twenty three second round pick the Steelers will be receiving from the Bears be the Bears' own pick or one they received from another team? Uh,
2: okay, this the pick that Eric is referring to is the pick that the Steelers received from the bears for chase claypool uh, at the trading deadline and no uh the pick is going to be the bears original pick so uh as of today uh it would be the th- 34th overall selection um and that's you know the third pick in the second round And the reason it's the 34th pick is because in the first round of the 2023 draft the miami dolphins had to forfeit their first-round pick because of a uh, punishment uh, levy on the team and owner Stephen Ross for tampering. So next March, 31 picks in the first round. And as of right now, the Steelers would get the third pick in the second round from the Bears, which you do your arithmetic real quick. Oh, don't make 34th me. 34th overall. No, I, I just did it for you. Thank you.
3: Oh, I could hear 30. my heart start racing when you said the word arithmetic there. Whew. That's all she wrote for today's edition of Asked and Answered. Thanks, as always, for getting your questions in. If you want to hear a question read on a future edition, get them into labs now, and hopefully you'll be a lucky few that is selected. For Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Opferman. Always appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next week on Asked and Answered.
0: I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy.